0: This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, this is Kimberly Kleiman-Lee, executive coach, performance consultant, and host of the Do I Dare podcast. If you're a leader who wants to inspire, empower, and raise the leadership bar, then you have come to the right place, my friend. Here you will get access to powerful yet practical solutions that elevate your performance and dissolve roadblocks. Do you dare to lead in a way that moves the needle and scales the impact? Yeah? then let's do it. Hi, this is Kimberly Kleiman-Lee with the Do I Dare podcast. So happy to have you with me for this next episode. I missed you. I was absolutely committed to providing a weekly podcast and then COVID struck the Kleiman-Lee home. It was brutal. Everyone got it, but my son, Sam, we have a feeling, a hunch that he got it earlier in the year. And now We get what all the fuss is about. That list of symptoms, you know, that you're asked when you're trying to gain entry to a dentist's office or a doctor's office. Yeah, we got all of those times 10. That's what it felt like to have COVID, at least for us. It feels fantastic to be back, still with a bit of residual COVID, but feeling better every day. But I'm behind. I'm behind around the house. I'm behind at work. I'm behind in high school senior ceremonial stuff. It has to be ordered, scheduled, signed, planned. You name it, and now I'm officially behind on it. And it's a horrible feeling. Just when you think you can manage it all, juggle it all, you're asked to replace a ball that you're juggling with a sharp, sticky, flaming, awkwardly-sized object, and your whole juggling rhythm is blown. I think the toughest part for me when these rare situations happen, is the thought of feeling or thinking that I'm letting people down, that I'm no longer able to keep promises, deliver on agreements, or quite frankly, I'm not even able to be present or show up as my best self when they need me the most. And yes, my three dear teenagers, I'm speaking to you right now. I've gotten much better at sharing just enough detail during these times, asking for help, and in some cases, hoping for grace. But I wasn't always that way. I thought that by showing that level of vulnerability, I might come across as a person who makes excuses, or I demonstrated a lack of capability, or I showed sign of of weakness. I'm so glad I'm past that now. All the energy I spent trying to protect the reputation I was building during those vulnerable times in my life actually, I think, drained a bit of my authenticity. I think the worst of it, as I think back, was probably when I was in the hospital about to give birth to my first child, Katie. We had the perfect pregnancy with her. I started getting contractions late at night. I nudged my amazing husband to grab my overnight bag, which had been packed for weeks, to see if he would take me to, uh, of course, the hospital right then and there. I was still capable of tidying up a little bit right before we left, just to ensure Katie would be welcomed home in the most loving, amazing way possible, of course. And then off we went. She was due the very next day. So even her due date to delivery date ratio was almost on the mark. So I couldn't have had, in this case, a more perfectly timed pregnancy. Trust me, the other two I had were anything but um, predictable but this was my first pregnancy. It was entirely by the book and it was a fairy tale the whole way through. The hospital staff got me settled into my room as the 17-hour wait for her began. I remember a few of those details during that time. The Packers were playing. My husband's loyalties were clearly torn in that hospital room. Just put that little plug in there. My family members were calling for updates and I was starving. That's what I remember. But one of my most vivid memories was a call I got during that time from my then manager. Now, of course, for those of you who have ever been in labor or have been with people who've been in labor, you assume that the only calls you're going to be getting during this time were words of well wishes or folks who wanted to douse you in prayers and send you good vibes and that sort of thing. That, of course, is what I expected when I Answered the phone. But that was not the essence of this phone call. You see, I happened to go into labor the week before our budget drafts were due, and he was a bit panicked that I wouldn't be able to get mine in on time and just wondered if we might be able to work that all out on a call, this call, right then. Now I'm mortified to even share this story, and I'm even more mortified to actually say that I considered it, doing it for a minute. Again, I hated letting people down. Full disclosure, I was still in the midst of my disease-to-please phase, and I didn't want him to think that I wasn't tough and capable. Tough and capable seemed to be the core virtues on this particular team. I also happened to be the only woman on the team and felt a sense of pressure to be even tougher and more capable than my peers at all times. Not a great strategy. That included being tough and capable during labor when I was about to produce a human being and almost offered to simultaneously work on budget planning. Now, to somewhat his credit, I'm going to use that loosely, he apologized for the poor timing. He hoped I was doing okay and the baby was safe. And he offered to have this conversation in stages if I needed breaks you believe that? So now full disclosure, it was the evil eye from my nurse that snapped me out of my ego trance. And I ended up telling him, of course, that this was not a good time. And as a plan B, I offered to call him when we returned home, as long as the baby schedule allowed. That seemed to be enough for the nurse. My husband came back into the room, totally oblivious to the phone call I had just had, and I proceeded with my labor, and we all agreed we would not be answering any more phone calls until this beautiful child had arrived. Now, I shouldn't have even offered the plan B, quite frankly, but at the time, again, I didn't want to let him down. I felt like I was the one who was inconveniencing him and he was merely trying to survive. Again, not a great strategy. Now, two decades later, I clearly recall this manager as, quite frankly, a jerk. He was a new leader to me, so at the time, I also wanted to impress him as well as support his needs. But that wasn't the last ridiculous request he made of me or many of my colleagues, quite frankly. Lesson learned. And you can bet I am coaching my girls and my son about how that whole thing could have been handled differently by both me and him. Now, of course, life has continued to interrupt life. And over time, I've gotten better at handling the change, the chaos, and the stress that comes with it. Here are five of my go tos when it comes to handling curveballs that put me underwater and in a state of overwhelm. First, announce it. Yep, you heard me right. As you're coming back into your planned life, tell those in your immediate circle where your head's at. How much do you think you can handle right now? And what might you need from them to get through it? Talk it out again to your trusted circle. You don't need to announce to everyone, but to your trusted circle, what might you need to get back up on your feet? You might need some space, time, perhaps help. Or just a good belly laugh. You might need folks to check in with you. You might need their patience. Or maybe some alone time without them feeling offended. I think the number one reason people fail to meet your expectations is because they just didn't even know you had any of them. Help people understand where you're at and what you'll need. And you'll be amazed at the compassion and empathy offered to you. Now this takes vulnerability. No one's more aware of that than me. But with practice, you come to realize that the transparency is actually quite freeing, strengthening, and necessary. So if announce it is the first thing, I'd highly recommend you do. It's worked for me for sure. The next thing is to just say no. Just say no. It's as simple as that. Assess the request. Truly think if it's something you can handle at a time like this. Do you have the time, the information, the skill, or quite frankly, just the energy to take on that request and then just say no? Now, you can say no in a pleasant way, of course. You can even ask for 24 hours to think it through, maybe to try to figure out how to make it work. And then after careful consideration, come back with a no. Phrases like, I tried to think of several ways to make this work, and I just can't do it in a way that would meet your expectation at the same time. I'm going to have to pass. Now, saying no is a fantastic option, enlightens your load until you have a chance to catch up. But of course, real life, saying no might not always be possible. There are some people where "no isn't always a viable option. And in those cases, I negotiate. So point number three: negotiate to get yourself back up on your feet. So I negotiate by saying something like this. This isn't something I can do right now. Could we look at a future date? Or I'd love to do it, but I'm really pressed for time. How flexible are you with the deadline? Or try, I could only take this on if, and then fill in the blank with your conditions, your demands, your needs. Whose help do you need? Do you need additional funding or expertise at your disposal? Do you need to travel or postpone travel? you need to offload a different project to a colleague in order to take this new project on. One of my favorite quotes of all time when I was teaching sales reps at GE is, if you want a kitten, you ask for a pony. Now, if you're female, you usually uh, ask for a kitten and hope for a hamster. I'm asking you to up your game a little bit. Men are really good at this. They know exactly what they need. They go and they ask for it. They almost expect to get it all. And then they go about their day. Women, for some reason, have more uh, trepidation when it comes to asking for what they need. So, this is your permission ask for what you need. In essence, always ask for more than you'll probably get with the hopes that you'll receive at least enough to satisfy your needs or wants. So, negotiate, don't be shy about it. Others are doing it and ask for what you need to make sure that you can be successful. Point four. The next way I try to handle curveballs that put me underwater and, and get me into a state of overwhelm is to delegate or to ask for help, especially if you need to be out of the office for, let's say, a personal crisis. Chances are. That's not time you can make up within 24 hours. It's time to call in the big guns. I immediately start thinking about what I can offload at times like that. How can I handle basic things like home meal prep, obligations with my kids, carpooling, sports readiness, events, homework help, doctor's appointments? The same is true for work. Can I call my team, my assistant, or maybe a close peer group together to do a bit of triage on my calendar and delegate tasks to be handled in my absence. This lesson took me a lot longer to learn than I would have liked. I always thought that asking for help again was a sign of weakness, but also was just a huge imposition or inconvenience to those I was approaching. I knew how busy I was, and the last thing I wanted to do was to make others feel the same sense of busy. Who was I to dump my stuff on their desk? A major miscalculation in the human spirit on my part. Here's the thing. Humans love to feel needed. They want to matter. They want to be the type of person others turn to. Now, there are always exceptions, of course, but for the most part, humans are amazing. And they show up when others are in need many without being asked, and for the rest of those well-meaning humans, being asked to help helps them figure out how to participate in the process of helping. My hang-up was always asking others for help. I have absolutely no problem inviting myself to the help-needing parties of others. During times of need, I find that equal doses of prayer and friendship and food can help immensely. Many feel awkward about offering help to others, especially if the crisis is delicate. Those folks need an assignment. They need permission to help. It's just how some folks are. Lastly, if you've gone through the list of certainly being transparent and announcing kind of your current state, if you will, if you've said no to everything you think you can say no to, if you've negotiated the items that can be negotiated if you've delegated, tasks that can be delegated, the last thing I turn to is action. I'm one that just needs to get things done. It's how I make sense of the world. A great to-do list and a plan will get me far faster. So I would schedule it. Think about where you're behind and start to think about a plan to get yourself caught up. Don't just do, really think about the entire landscape. So when you return from your temporary departure, treat yourself to a large cup of coffee in the corner of your favorite cafe, bring a notebook, a pencil and your calendar, and then get to work. What are all of the tasks that have to get done? Make the list, go crazy. Not all of the tasks that have to get done eventually, all of the tasks that need to get done in the shorter term things that you might have missed, things that you're late on, things that you need to catch up on. Don't take on the world, just get yourself caught up. What are the calls you need to make, reports you need to complete, meetings that you have to hold, travel you need to reschedule? You get the drill. On the home front, make a list and begin to triage what needs to get done for whom, by when, first, second, third, and so forth. When you feel you have a comprehensive list, Start to schedule those tasks on your calendar as an appointment. The funny thing about a return to your planned life after a temporary absence is that everyone will want you caught up as quickly as possible and will take time on your calendar if it's available. Again, make these tools work for you. Schedule your tasks in the notes and in the notes section. Put specifically what you need to get accomplished in that time frame. With all the details, names, phone numbers, links to documents, all of the things. If you'll have more energy in the morning, put those tasks on your calendar for those prime times and then leave the rest of your calendar open for meetings and group work. If you don't schedule it, you won't get caught up on it. Another little tip is to schedule it and then go to that same cafe or conference room at work or a quiet room in your home. To work on those tasks for the first hour or two of every day for the next three or so days. And then make yourself visible when those two hours are up. Head back to the office, head back to your desk, head back to the kitchen, and continue on with your planned life. There's nothing wrong with preserving time to help yourself first, get yourself caught up, feel like you're back in control and feel right-sized once again. So there you have it. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, underwater, just plain flat out of energy because of a temporary departure from my planned life, like the one I recently had, there's some things you can do to get yourself back up and, and running. Be transparent about where you're at. Say no to the things you can reasonably say no to negotiate the things you can't say no to, delegate the rest, and schedule the tasks that remain. There seems to be so much going on for folks right now. It's okay to step away from your planned life to take care of the things that have become important or urgent for the moment. Be transparent about where your head's at. Say no to new requests whenever possible until the conditions return that actually work for you. Delegate and ask for help strategically from those who you know will lift the burdens that are weighing you down. Finally, if you're like me and taking action actually makes you feel better, helps you heal and so forth, then just grab a cup of coffee in the corner of your favorite cafe with a notebook and your calendar and start to plan. Make lists of everything you need to do, the tasks that need to get you back on track, and then schedule the time to complete them in your calendar. You take the time you need before others take the time they want from your calendar. When life interrupts life, it becomes so stressful, right? Many of us think we can handle it all, but need to be reminded that we don't have to. This journey isn't meant to be a solo trip took me a while to learn that lesson. Life is actually a team sport with a new game scheduled every day. There may be times, certainly out of your control, when you'll be benched. I think the greatest lesson we can learn during these times is that self-awareness and self-compassion is the healthiest way back into the game. Be kind to yourself, wear a mask, and bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the Do I Dare podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Share a topic of interest or a struggle that's top of mind for you. We'll give you a shout out on a future podcast. And for more information about Do I Dare and all things leadership, visit KimberlyKleimanLee.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and stay tuned for exclusive content access to the tools and resources you need to lead.